3: Double. your the-
0: <laughs> Good morning, listeners. You are on Thursday morning breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. It is the 20, what? 28th of <laughs> September. How did we get here? Wait, 28? what? 28th? What? 28th? Is Isn't that right? Four? No, it's the 4th. <laughs> The fifth. It's the 5th of October, October. Yeah. so I, uh, I actually have no concept of time, and I didn't replace it on the run sheet and was perfectly content to just go with that. Okay. Please don't burst my bubble, because I have so much stuff to do in October. Yeah. I thought I had a couple of days, um, so clearly you can tell we're a bit of a shambles this morning. Yeah. Um, good morning, Spike. Good morning, Annette.
4: Morning, Pri, How are you going?
0: Oh, well. <laughs> how indeed. Hey, well, shambles is how you make
3: music, or is that... Something what? else. Shambles. Hey, show shamble shamble. Oh. It's a
0: shamble music time. <laughs> oh my gosh, Inez. Um, yeah, we're all just having a normal one. I um, hope yeah. you're all up and having a normal one as well. We have a absolutely packed show this morning, so maybe we will get into what we're going to be covering, Inez. Yes,
3: we will first be joined by Gita Ramcharanen. Uh, who came to Australia in 2013 with her husband and two kids and is a community childcare educator and teaches at the local Tamage Language Community School and is a co-founder of Refugee Women Action for Visa Equality as well as Ghazale uh, Gahid Ramati who is an Iranian woman who came here when she was 14 and is now 26. She was a dental assistant and has experienced vi- the impact of visa rejection on her university well-being and how the unfair and inhumane decisions of the Australian government continue to cause grief and hurt refugees across so-called Australia,
0: and then afterwards, Spike, go so,
4: ahead. Uh We also went down to uh, the well to the public housing towers on Wellington Street, where well, the, where the, uh, the the announced um, decision to knock down the tower. So. I'll start again. Visited the Wellington Street Public Housing Towers to speak to one of the tenants, Valentina, who's a Russian immigrant, about her feelings on the demolition of the towers.
0: Yeah, and I think I'm really excited to hear from Valentina about that because um, it's really important to hear from people that are from a variety of like culturally and linguistically yeah. diverse communities, which is the makeup of a lot of the towers, but also um, affects the way that people were consulted or not about these decisions. and after that, we're going to be joined by Josh Cullinan, who is the Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, or RAFWU. And Josh is joining us to talk about the upcoming national strike of supermarket workers at sector giants Woolworths and Coles in the face of the company's failure to commit to providing employees with fair pay, job security, and safe workplaces. And this strike is taking place on Saturday, the 7th of October, with industrial action set to, break, uh, to begin at 10 a.m. So do not cross the picket if you can avoid yeah. it. Saturday the 7th of October 10am I believe workers are stopping work for two hours and we'll give you more information about how to support the Rafu Strike Fund and um, to join Rafu as well if you are a supermarket worker when we have that interview um, and we also oh sorry, sorry.
3: oh that's alright, no man. worries Spike we're all just excited yeah, about yeah. all of our shows. I
4: apologize <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, we'll be joined by Will Crawford, who's a lawyer, youth worker, filmmaker and comedian who just returned to Melbourne after living in Darwin. He's an experienced stand-up and sketch comedian and joins us today to share to chat about his new show Rock Steady Baby that traverses surreal, absurd, cheeky and the occasionally serious, exploring how to write a comedy about an invisible disability. A strangely optimistic journey through some dark times, and you can catch the show um, at the Theatre of Improv Conspiracy throughout October um, for Melbourne Fringe.
4: And so, and finally, um, also went down to the Kathleen Syme Library in Carlton yesterday and spoke to a couple of peers who participate in developing what is that? a co-designed zine called Need to Know. And it's it's a unique and a fantastic project. Um, So, yeah, it was really great to get down there and speak to them about how it's produced and what it means to them.
0: Yeah, it kind of brings this conversation full circle because, Spike, I had you on before you were on the show to talk about yeah. Need to Know. And now we have Spike, who formerly was convening that um Back to talk about, Piers, about it again.
4: Yeah, it was Yeah, it was a bit sad sort of going back. It was a little bit sentimental, but it was nice to catch up with them again.
0: Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing the chat. You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM. Bois carries the stories of our ancestors, forever watching
5: over us and protecting us. Join me, Taldem Chuggo Edwards, for Ballam a journey of stories, yarns and music about freedom and survival from 2pm to 3pm every Thursday afternoon on 3CR 855 on your radio dial. As I walk alone on my dreaming track tonight I can hear the voices of my elders Their ancient sounds echo in my mind
0: To the beat of clapstick and the dancing. And we are back on Thursday morning breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. It is 7.06 in the morning and these are the news headlines for Thursday the 5th of October. An important victory for renters in remote First Nations communities was won today where the Northern Territory Supreme Court ruled this week, sorry, not today, this week, uh, that the public housing landlord is legally required to supply safe drinking water to tenants. Residents in Laramba have been fighting in the courts for basic human rights to safe drinking water since 2019 when they took their landlord, the Northern Territory CEO of Housing, to court over concerns about uranium levels in the water, which were three times higher than the maximum safe level. The Northern Territory Civil and Administrative Tribunal found the landlord was not responsible for providing safe drinking water to tenants, but that decision was overturned this week. The decision opens up the potential for an estimated 250,000 First Nations people to seek legal redress and compensation for lack of access to safe and healthy water.
3: Also in headlines, corruption suspicions have emerged over secret deals done between offshore detention service providers in Papua New Guinea and the Australian government. Refugee advocates are calling on both the Papua New Guinea and Australian governments to urgently investigate a secret deal struck in 2021 by the Morrison government which has now left millions in unpaid debts to refugee service providers. The result of this corruption is that refugees forcibly placed in offshore detention by the Australian government are now threatened with eviction from their current residences. A spokesperson for the Refugee Action Collective said, Morrison's secret deal was designed to fail, while individual providers and potentially corrupt bureaucrats have been lining their pockets with millions meant for refugees. It's time to end the secrecy, end the corruption and bring the refugees to Australia to provide them with the security they rightfully need.
4: And finally in headlines, Coles and Woolworths workers are set to strike on Saturday in the first national strike action of its kind in Australian history. Around 1,000 staff represented by the Retail and Fast fast Food Workers Union will walk off the job to protest against poverty-level wages, endemic casual work and assault and threats and abuse in the work environment. Workers are asking for a living wage of $29 per hour, safety policies covering bullying and workplace harassment and discrimination, and job security rights.
0: And those have been the news headlines for Thursday, the 5th of October. And you're listening to 3CR 855 AM. And we're just about to go to a CSA, which I think is very important for everyone to listen to because there has been a national action called to stop black deaths in custody for this Saturday, the 7th of October. So um, wherever you are around the country, there should be an action near you. And if you're in NARM, here's the information you need to know.
5: Hey, you all out there? Let's join the National Day of Action to stop black deaths in custody. 1pm Saturday the 7th of October at the State Library of Victoria. We need to implement the recommendations from the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody now.
6: You say you respect country and
1: you believe in black justice, then you turn up because we have an opportunity on the 7th of October to push this government to implement recommendations that will keep our people alive.
5: For more information, go to blacksovereignmovement.com That's P-L-A-K-sovereignmovement.com Black Sovereign Movement is a 3 supporter. About survival, that's what I say. Is this what we got gonna go through every day? To all of those still grieving, I'm feeling <laughs> your pain. what you know about black-
6: Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but CoPower gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer
4: can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a CoPower member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and CoPower today. And take
1: the power back.
4: Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036
7: A 3CR supporter.
5: Disabled people are worth every bloody penny. I'm okay with spending money on the supports that we need.
8: There's more than 400,000 people who should be on the DSP. Butter on
1: Jobseeker instead.
5: I've got a life to live. I've got commitment like
6: everybody else in society.
1: The only way to provide meaningful support is stronger grassroots movements. These institutions are never going to be our savior.
4: If everyone was the same, it would be a born old world we
6: live in. We
9: need to
1: do a lot of work in
9: this country around shifting community attitudes towards people
10: that don't fit the white, able, Straight
7: cisgendered person. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical.
3: And now we will be joined by Gita Ramachandran and Ghazale Gaid Ramanti, as well as Lavanya. And Geeta came to Australia in 2013 with her husband and two kids and is a community childcare educator and teaches at the local Tamil language community school and co-founded the Refugee Women Action for Visa Equality. Ghazali Romati is an Iranian woman who came here when she was 14 and is now 26. And she was a dental assistant and has experienced the impact of visa rejection on her university well-being and how the unfair and inhumane decisions of the Australian government continue to cause grief and hurt to refugees across so-called Australia. Thank you so much for joining us here today on 3CR. Thank you. Thank you.
9: Thank you.
3: Thank you. Um, well, I was wondering if maybe we could go through each of you and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got involved with the Refugee Woman Action for Visa Equality. Maybe I'll start with you, Gita. Yes. I, I am Geeta. Okay. I mm-hmm. must
9: uh I have three children. Mm, we are a group of 22 women workers of from Melbourne to Canberra. We left Melbourne on Friday, 22nd, today, day 14. After 640 kilometers into Canberra, we we are we are working on behalf of 10,000 plus refugees, asylum seekers who are left out. Of
3: eligibility announcement and nineteen thousand that give
0: the ability to apply
9: for permanency. Yeah, Geeta, I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, I am
0: in the, I'm in the. Yeah, in the group of founder. Yeah, Gita, just quickly, um, because the audio is coming through a little distorted. Would you mind taking it off speakerphone so that we can hear you directly through the phone? Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay.
3: Hello, yes, that's much better amazing thank you. <laughs> yes, you were talking about the the walk um and that you have li- recently left Melbourne was that right
0: Yes so would you um would you mind saying again, um okay. yeah, how you got involved?
9: Yes uh I am a founder of the twenty third uh, second refugee women walk set up from Melbourne to Canberra. We left Melbourne on Friday 22nd. Today is day 14. Yep. There's 640-kilometre track to Canberra. We are walking on behalf of 10,000 plus refugees asylum seekers who were left out of a February announcement giving 19,000 refugees the ability to apply for permanency.
3: Yep, amazing work. Thank you so much. Um, maybe we could pass the phone to Ghazali and I can hear a little bit more about them. Hello. Hi, Ghazali. Um, could you tell us a little bit, the listeners, about how who you are and how you got involved with the Refugee Women Action for Visa Equality?
1: Uh, hi, my name is Ghazala Qadrahmati. I am an Iranian woman. I came here when I was 14. Now I'm 26. I was a dental assistant for three years. Then I saved some money for university. I start Bachelor of Health Science in lateral uni. After studying for one year and a half, I was going to transfer my course. Suddenly, I received a letter from university saying that because of my visa rejection, they're not going to accept me. I was developing depression. Looking at my f- family and witnessing my husband getting depression, I decided to do something for everyone. Everyone, and we start this work. We demanding abolish the fast track system and IAA, a study and work right for all refugees. Permanent protection visa for all refugees left behind. Permanent settlement in Australia for refugees from Norway and Guinea.
3: Yep, amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and Lavanya, if Lavanya wanted to speak. Yes. Hey Lavanya, if you could tell our listeners a, bit, a little bit about who you are um, and how you got involved. Um, I'm uh, uh, Lavnia. I'm a
10: unionist. Um, I'm part of um, this group supporting them uh, through the work. So um, yeah, uh, this group was um, established by uh, Gita uh, Ramachandran and Rati, and uh, as a group of um, uh, solemn seekers, uh, decided that um, it's been eleven years uh, and we've been silently waiting for the government to take some action, and uh, we strongly believe that uh, the change of our party would would give us some sort of solution, but we've been waiting um, uh, for over one year of the party in power, and we haven't received any solution from this government, so uh, we decided that uh, we need to create some sort of awareness uh, to the uh, people of Australia as well as the government that that there are 10,000 people who are left in limbo by, um, you know, both the parties.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a really commendable effort from everybody, and then the fact that it's already, you know, day fourteen—that's um, an h- incredible effort. And I wanted to maybe ask, because um, I asked start start off with Gita, Maybe I'll ask Azalia this time. Could you talk about the government's failure to grant permanent protection visas and how this shows up every day? Can you ask the
10: question again? Yes, of course. No
3: problem. <laughs> um, so. Could you maybe talk about the government's failure to grant permanent protection visas, but how importantly that this shows up every day? Because I know that you've experienced this with your university. um, But yeah, how does the lack of visa protection show up in your life every day?
1: Um,
3: Look, there is 10,000 people
1: uh, suffering from depression, anxiety, Including myself and my family, me myself was witness of my husband attempting suicide, and I I cannot study my brother. He didn't finish the school yet, but this year he's doing year twelve. Been struggling if he he can get to uni or not because. They counting us as
3: international students if they let us in. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm incredibly sorry to hear that, and I know it's you know not a uncommon story, which is so devastating. And you know, I know that even sharing your story every time, you must have had to repeat it to so many people, and it yeah, shouldn't be the story of you know ten thousand refugees and refugee women and asylum seekers. Um, our government can do so so much more. Yeah, there is lots
1: of heartbreaking story from this ten thousand refugee out there, which we cannot um, explain it in few minutes. It's been over ten years now. Yeah, absolutely it's suffering for over
3: ten years. Yep, and I'm wondering um, maybe if Geeta wanted to speak to how this might show up daily as well. My eldest son is
6: 18.
3: Yeah. My younger son is 12
9: and my youngest daughter is uh, 8 years old. I have been in Australia for, for 11 years and throughout all this time I was labeled as asylum seeker. But we are a genuine refugee. We are working for freedom for 10,000 people who are left behind. It's uh, it's um effect for in my uh, my son education he is this year he is uh, the VCE exam but uh, not uh, get a chance for uh, the uni- university because the breathing visa the breathing visa condition is not allowed to go university uh, his ambition for architect but it's not get any chance from the um uh university Students don't have access to HEC support for universities, which uh, destroys their future career goals and ambitions. All of the students within 10,000 lives are represented by a question mark. Bachelors who came to Australia in their late 20s will
3: uh, will now be turning 40. Yep, and it's such a awful story that is so easily remedied with so many people who are continuously, you know, on bridging visas. They are permanently temporary um, and having no heck support, no support for people who genuinely want to make a difference um, and be a part of the community and have already been part of the community. This is our community um, and being in a constant state of limbo is not, it's not okay. Um, and I think finally, I know that you have been doing this walk from Melbourne to Canberra. It's a huge decision for a group of refugees. What are your demands for the walk? What, what are you hoping to achieve and raise awareness yes. about the walk? Yeah,
9: permanent visa for all refugees left, to be left in limbo for a de- educated, work and, save, uh, work and study rights for all refugees, the abolition of the unfair fast track system under IWA, permanent settlement in Australia
3: for all refugees evacuated from Nauru and Papua New Guinea. Yeah, amazing! Thank you. It's it's such an important cause. I'm um, I'm wondering if Gazali, you had anything else that you wanted to add about the walk?
1: It's all the guitar fault here.
3: Okay, sure, no problem at all. Um, And when it comes to, you know, what you're hoping to achieve after the walk, you've said a few things, you want permanent protection, Um, you want, you know, the minister to really make a change. Um, When you're going through this walk, you've already done about like 14 days of it right now. What has it been like to kind of be on the road, be with community and really talk, talk through your heart?
10: So this 14 days been um, very difficult for a lot of um, people. We have um, uh, the oldest woman is 52 years old, and the youngest is 19 years old. Um, this this is the first time these women have uh, you know taken such a uh, uh, um, big decisions, and uh, most of them are injured. We have um, people with diabetes and other conditions who couldn't walk, and they um, they actually have uh, injuries uh, all over the legs. Um, so it's been very difficult and um we get car support from our uh, people uh, honking uh, uh, and um you know so- giving us encouragement and we also see, see people who uh, you know are um, saying uh, go back to your country so there's two kind of uh situations like you know sometimes yeah. we we we're going through but um people are um even though they are injured then uh lot of them are you know couldn't start get up today uh, for work but we are start starting today uh, uh after this uh interview um 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 to um uh, for another 25 kilometers today so it is um uh um people, whatever comes in people doesn't want it to stop they want it to continue fight for yeah. all the 10,000 refugees
3: yeah amazing thank you it's it's so you know it, it just shows that you know that you are putting in so much work and effort despite um the injuries and you know we shouldn't have to you know, have people who are having leg injuries or people who need like insulin or or need like mental like health support walking through for fourteen days just to get attention just to get some change to happen. Um, but we are doing this, and it's raising awareness, and people are learning about this, and it's so incredible the effort that has taken for for all of you every single day every single kilometer Um, How can we support how can our listeners support uh, the walk the refugee? um, The refugee women action for visa equality, and yeah, what would you like us to know and how can we support? Um, Please support uh, please
10: follow our Facebook page. Uh, It's called refugee women action for visa equality And um, it has a a petition in it, and um, it would be great if people could sign the petition and um, uh, share our petition through to their social medias, um, and um, if, they, if they are on the road, uh, um, be, uh, if they wanted to come and take a support photo with us, it would be uh, really uh, encouraging to the women walking, and um, uh, our uh, plans and our destinations and where we will be each day, is all in our Facebook page, so if you are in that area, it would be great if we could come and um, show your solidarity with us.
3: we will definitely have that in our show notes and for everybody listening that is refugee women action for visa equality thank you so much for the three of you to take your time out from the walk I know it's bright and early um, to have a chat to us about you know what we're looking for from the demands of the walk and the impact that this has had on all of you you know every every single day Um, but uh, you know in solidarity with you all and wishing you all the best Thank you you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh, the Refugee Women Action for Visa Equality with Geeta Ramachandran, who came to Australia in 2013 with her husband and two kids and is a community childcare educator and teaches at the local... Tamil language community school, and co-founded the Refugee Women Action for Visa Equality. As well as Ghazaleh Gaid Ramati, who is an Iranian woman who came here when she was 14, and is now 26, and spoke about the impact of visa rejection on university well-being, the son's educations, and how the unfair and inhumane decisions of the Australian government continue to cause grief and hurt to refugees across so-called Australia. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, and it's currently
5: 728. OK, this is a uh, logging operation. Any person found within this coop is offending. Can they please leave? You're n- allowed no closer than the breach down the track there. Any person that's found in the coop will be arrested and charged, I direct that you all leave now.
7: Gecko's turning 30 and we're having a party. The Goongra Environment Centre has been fighting to protect East Gippsland's forests since 1993 and we want a party with you. There'll be music, performances, food, drink, old friends and new friends. What better way to celebrate the end of native forest logging in Victoria? From December 1st to the 3rd in Goongra, East Gippsland. To find out more, go to gecko.org.au. Gecko, 30 years fighting for forests. Get down to the party. Celebrate with us. A
2: 3CR supporter.
4: Okay, so now we're going to introduce, well, I'm introducing a conversation I had with a local public housing tenant um, Welling- on Wellington Street. Um, so I visited, um, there's a there's a drop-in nurse that's at Wellington Street on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday afternoons for anyone that might need to see a nurse, and they can refer you to Allied Health. But just, yeah, so went and spoke to Valentina about her feelings Um uh, about the proposed demolition of the towers, and as we heard in the last interview, it's people, you know, people, it's really important that everyone feels heard when it comes to you know government decisions, and and has the as the opportunity to have their feelings um, expressed. So here's our conversation with Valentina. So we're here at the Wellington Street public housing towers, speaking to Valentina about the closure of the towers. Hey, Valentina, how are you going?
8: I'm good, thank you so much. What about yourself?
4: Uh, I'm okay. So tell us, um, how did you find out about? How did you get the news that they were going to knock down the towers?
8: I think the last week there was here, the housing, and my daughter, she said, the mom, there's the housing people, they're talking about the, if you're not happy here or something. And I told her, let me go down. And when I talk to them, and they say, oh, we'll be knocking down. And I say, is that because we did protest and we didn't let you build their buildings, another one? Like, you know, because I say for them, you're selling the public land to the private. Like, you know, and I say, how you can relocate us? When there's so many people waiting, and I say instead of the break-in, find a house for the people who's already in the waiting list, who's already struggling. Like you know, this is how we find out. A lot of people they actually got panic because they doesn't know what's going on because them. For me, I told them, I have to be. I have to be, live here. I don't mind the towel actually because even they say the people all these drugs. I said the drugs everywhere, and I said wherever you go. And I say for me here, for me how convenient because for me it's everything close. I said my hospital clothes, and I say for them I'm not moving out very far. They can forget it.
4: So you didn't get you didn't get a letter from the government?
8: We didn't get the letter. The problem is even you know the before when they was planning to build, they give the link, which one link it didn't even work and they did the COVID time. And this is the new thing now. It's like it's come out so unexpectedly that they wanna break their, all the towels. And I told them, this building 47 years old, but this is the building much stronger than what you built on a Fitzroy. As a Fitzroy, after one year, you touch the wall, the walls crumbling around. The pipes, it's, it's I, I didn't been there, but I know the person who live in there. And I say for them, I'm not going to the new building. Like, you know, so now we wait and see whatever happens. How long have you been here, Valentina? Ten years. Ten years. And I love it because a lot of people I know, a lot of people, they know of me. Like, you know, if I'm not, if the people doesn't see me, they ask my kids, are you all right? Security, ask, is your mama gay?" Okay? Like, you know, I don't know. People don't understand why I like it here, but actually I love it. <laughs> like, you know, for me, the high rises, there's nothing wrong. Like, you know.
4: Is it, is it, is it the location? That, that you like or is it also the relationship that you've built?
8: The, the relationship, it's not even the location, it's more relationship between the tenants because we know each other, we're helping out each other. So even, like, you know, we get judged a lot because we live in the housing, but I don't care. Like, you know, because I say even for my kids, I say you have to understand public housing, you pay rent for the uh, government. A private, you pay for the, somebody house. I say if that person... Uh, something change, they're out. They give you the 90 days notice, you have to get out, like, you know. So, and because they do the, my health and do the COVID, I lost the job. For me, I'm very actually blessed living here. I cannot complain. Even I'm telling you, because I know that now, like we only pay 25%, but the government, they wanna before they wanna do the 80%, but after the change are 90%. 90%, personally me, I won't be able to afford. Because I already struggling. Some of my medication that costs like 180 dollars a month, and other 145. So I don't even buy this medication. Sometimes I buy, sometimes I don't. So, so you said you said something about feeling judged. Who who do
4: you feel judged by? Who who do you think is judged? Oh,
8: look, my daughter, my daughter actually she have friend, and his mom. She's working in health. And she said, don't be friends with the people from the housing because they're all like um, junkies and alcoholics and doesn't work. And I told her, don't ever, ever, don't let no one judge you by location you live or place you're living. And I said, just because somebody live in a better place. And I say for them, do I do the drugs? She said, no. Do I do the alcoholics? No. Do I do this, this, this? She said, no. And I say, so don't let the people judge you just because of the way you live. I said, you have a roof over the head. That's the main thing. And I said, there's the people. You know, it's actually kind of shame. And in a country like Australia, there's homeless people. And the government go and actually help the different countries and show how generous they are. But like, you know, like last year, I told Richard Wayne, don't worry about the other countries. Look after your own backyard. Look after your own people wow. who's here. People here, they're the tax ball. pretty high, like, you know, so.
4: One of the reasons um, the government's saying they're knocking down the towers is because of they're not in good condition. How do you feel about the condition?
8: If they're not in good condition, let's be honest, this painting, you know, the mural, mural, whatever they call, it was cost for the taxpayers, okay. I think, 100k. Mm-hmm. And if they're not in good condition, they 10 years ago, they actually renovated. So when I came here, it's been renovated. Like, you know, when we have the earthquake, I go check. So the, apparently when they do the renovation, they done the earthquake proof. They, I think the last year or year before, they put those, you know, we have like um, the glass um, next to the lift. So when it's, uh, if it's fire or something, the door will shut down so you can't use it. Why spend so much money from the taxpayers on all those upgrades if they're not good? They done the documentary, which on the cost I think fifty or fifty-five thousand. So it's only on the picture on the and the documentary, hundred fifty k from the taxpayer pay, pay pockets. From what? For what? If they have the plans, I believe personally the government because how much I pay for the rent, how much this building is different. I paying 140, this is building 780 for the rooms. So for the government, I don't think so they like it. The location we live close to the city, but we don't pay the good money. And I'm so sure for government will be, it's never about the people. Like, you know, whatever they say, it's never, and this is what I say, like, you know, don't say we don't let the Russia bully Ukraine. And I say, you bullying us what different and I say and I told it before when you do the voting only you care about the voice of the people when the voting time when the voting time finish screw all of you
4: one yeah one of the reasons is because they say that the towers aren't in good condition have you ever had any maintenance issues so what condition is your flat in
8: the the flat is good like you know because for me personally because I like the fresh paint so every two years I do the fresh paint anyway so we did have the replacement because apparently uh, when I almost fall in the bath, I pull the tap. So, and it's a bit like, I don't know, the, not we was wobbly, but there was water leaking. So apparently when my kids go in bath, the water was leaking to the neighbor and even the ground floor, like, you know. <laughs> but they fix it because when the plumber came and he opened the tap and like do, 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 do. He said, can you hear it? And I said, and? So it doesn't make difference for me. So the problem is, like you know, even I know. Look, the carpet they put, it's it's crap. And if they put the vinyl or put the tiles, I think it would be better. But I don't see the point why they renovated. Like you know, if the this building not good, even when there was earthquake, that you know the big one. I go check the building all around. It's everything good. I don't. I can't say about the other housing. Which one? I can see the some the housing towers not upgraded, because because of the window. So I don't know how they look. Our building it's pretty good. And this is why I say for the housing. I'm so sure you only wanna build. Oh, you only wanna destroy it because we don't let you build the buildings before you want.
4: So when you call the maintenance, do they come
8: when I call? All the time they come if if our washing machine break or the dryer only from my level i call because the other people when they call they say or oh, they it doesn't come and i say how come when i call i don't even take the job number next day they here so the the guy who do the maintenance they are actually pretty cool
5: mm-hmm.
8: like you know so there's no problem with the maintenance and I, I, don't, I don't see actually problem with our building at all how how important is
4: is it for you to stay in the local area? For
8: me, it's very important because look, for me, I'm very often in a hospital. So for me, I don't drive now. I, I can't. I, I don't drive since 2021 because my knee actually lock, and this is why I need to be go with the trolley. I need to actually have walker, but mentally, I can't accept the walker. So I know it's look bigger, but at least I put the half my body there. So for me, the hospital, it's very close. I don't drive, I don't have the relatives, like, you know, uh, I have only my kids and my animals, that's it. So for me, it's everything close, it's for me handy, like, you know, because the, yesterday I talked with one person, the housing actually want to give her the building in their, whatever house in the spring whale. And she say, all my support system is here, she say, the, the, she choose to go on Essendon. She say I can go that one, and I say, but they having a co-health there, and I say, but I'm not going well and there's a lot of people got panic, like they panic, like look, some people will be happy to move out because they're waiting for the transfer because when they have the, too many kids and everything. For me, I told the people, they say, why you don't move out? I say, actually, I love it here. They say, what do you mean? They doesn't understand what I love. But for me, this building, you know, when I came here in 2001. It reminds me of Russia. I say for my ex-husband, I wish I lived here. He said, why? I say, it reminds me of Russia because they neighbour, they help each other. They look after each other. Like, we know so long each other. <laughs> like, you know, so... so you, you mentioned that you have kids. How many children do you have? I have the two girls. I have the two girls i have been raised them 16 years myself. Well, now it's almost 17.
4: Do they, do they go to school locally?
8: Yeah, the Collinwood College, which one, you know, we have the school. And look, this is the another another thing, because there's a lot of people that actually looking for the school, living close to the school. Which one, we have the St. George school. I think it's just St. Joseph. The pri- uh, private school. And we have the in the back pu- public school. Which one, I love it, because the high school and the primary school, it's together. And it's so freaking close. So for the kids, I think for the kids and for me, it's... It was like best and the school even this public school it's still good like you know because I say for my goals you have to understand it's not there what school you go you can go to the most expensive school and still be dumb and still can learn nothing I say it's up to you if you want to learn or not so for, for us and my GP he right there but now also I go on core health which on core health right in a corner and if I, go on, if I move somewhere else, because even housing, they say, we'll give you a location if you want a common wood, we'll give you a common wood. And I say, well, it's funny, because they say, after when they build, you can return it. And I say, I'm not getting any new building. I don't like the new buildings. I say, because the material they use, they're pretty shit.
4: So what does the rest of the community need to understand about the importance of feeling comfortable and safe? You,
8: you know, we have here the lady, she's living here 40 years Um, She having a health problem, her bones is not good, yeah? For her, here, she feels safe. We have security, yeah? We have a crime-safe windows and the doors. And if anything happens, it's just one call away.
4: So we're on the ground floor here at a drop-in space. Yes. How often do you come down here? How important is this to you?
8: This is, look, this room, even I've been here, like I've been here 10 years, yeah? Because I have a um, lymphedia on my stomach and my feet, yeah? When I came here, I have an, a boo-boo in the back. Actually, the St Vincent, she should do that for me dressing every day. You know who did? Sally did. Even she shouldn't, but she did. And she buy her actually her own supplies for me to do it, and I have to come here every day. And she was doing it for me because in the back I couldn't see it. And after when we talk about the health and everything, she booked for me appointment because I getting sometimes frustrated when I go and book an appointment, and it's send me from one to that to that to that like you know. So when she booked me actually for the specialist for the feet, they actually I've been now finally diagnosis of a lymphadia, which I have in more than six years. And I told my GP before, but he said, oh no, it's not possible in Australia. But now she said, no, you definitely have. Like, you know, so I think that because look, on a Friday, we do the here, the exercise. And after the salad, she put the food and everything. Like, you know, there's another community like today. Today, the people come in having some breakfast. And I think it's very handy because it's kind of weird, but in Australia, there's still people struggling, like, you know, there's still, like, you cannot believe because people overseas, they think everybody here living, like, a, eating caviar every day. I said, not only once a month, like, you know, and also there's another groups here, like, you know, them with Vietnamese people and everything, they get together. So to have a co-health here, it's actually very important because we don't need this, the ground floor anyway like you know, so for us it doesn't matter, but it helps people a lot because sometimes you can't like even if you call the somewhere the doctor or link, you can't have this the patient and here they have in a translator girls, girl they actually take the time and explain and they help but you actually get a lot of help they, you know the people who doesn't speak English you know the electricity or whatever, whatever they need the help you can come downstairs and they sally and the the guys that always help you to help you even can come for the cup of tea
4: so that was that was the great um valentina we spoke to her um i think it was tuesday uh tuesday morning and yeah for anyone that uh, thinks that people you know like ordinary folks don't understand what's happening um you know, they don't understand government policy and how, you know, and how they put the interests of people with with capital ahead of just ordinary folks. Um, That's a really, Valentina is a really good example of people do understand, yeah, that what's happening to them. And yeah, that sometimes, well, a lot of the times government um, puts the interests of the rich ahead of, yeah, ordinary folks.
0: Yeah, and you're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM. We're going to go to a show sting and come back to you with our next interview.
5: Hi! I'm Jeffrey. I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. Papua. Tuesday, 6 30 until 7 30 pm. News and music from West Papua. <laughs>
6: Salam
4: Behamegi, this is Jahan Khonlu from Salam Radio, tune in 4 to 6 p.m. every Sunday on 3CR for a wide selection of modern music from the greater Middle East and beyond. We feature guests both locally and internationally based to
6: help bring new sounds to you. For more information, please follow our Instagram at Salam Radio Show. So tune on in.
11: They're pulling on the boots in Brazil and wiping off the eggshells in Moorabbin. Fascism's on the march and we say, yeah,
0: nah. Yeah Passaran is a new weekly program on 3CR dedicated to tracking this rise in Australia, Altaroa and all around our increasingly warm little globe. Every
11: Thursday at 4.30pm, we'll be talking to writers and fighters about some angry blighters.
0: And we are back on Thursday morning breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. It is 7.48 in the morning and we're now joined by Josh Cullinan, Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union or RAFWU, who's going to be speaking with us about the upcoming national strike of supermarket workers at sector giants Woolworths and Coles in the face of the company's failure to commit to providing employees with fair pay, job security and safe workplaces. The strike's going to take place this Saturday, the 7th of October, with industrial action set to begin at 10 a.m. And I'll plug this now and again at the end of the interview, but you can support the Rafwoo Strike Fund for the supermarket workers by heading to chuffed.org forward slash project forward slash super strike. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Priya. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I understand that you are already making preparations for this weekend.
11: Oh, absolutely absolutely we've um we've published a list of sites right across the country that workers and supporters can head to at ten a m on Saturday. but we're also i'm I'm actually uh, up in Broken Hill at the moment, um the home of well one of the homes of industrial militancy in australia and uh, and this morning at uh, twelve or twelve pm at lunchtime we'll have uh, Woolworths workers up here go on strike as a as a leading, um, continuing their massive industrial legacy in Broken Hill, um, one of the first strikes in a long time locally. Uh, Woolworths workers here will be walking off the job.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I mean, what a, what a fitting place to start. Um, so... There's been quite a bit of media coverage this year and last year about the record-breaking profits posted by both Woolworths and Coles in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis. So I was hoping you could tell us a bit about how these profit margins have grown in comparison to the poor working conditions experienced by Woolworths and Coles employees.
11: Yeah, great. There's been a very long history of industrial exploitation at Coles and Woolworths. And we know that goes right through the supply chain. Uh, but it's also been in those stores. And for very many years, right up until the recent five or six years, those workers had billions and billions of dollars stolen through them from outrageous industrial deals that cost them penalty rates, cost them casual loadings, junior rates and all sorts of other things that were slashed in a in a rotten deal, that was do- or a series of rotten deals. And so those, those workers have experienced that exploitation for a very long time and simultaneously... Coles and Woolworths have rolled in the profits. That so they have made, they have made literally billions of dollars off paying workers less than the minimum. Um, and this year, and during the pandemic, that was no different. They continued to make billions and billions of dollars while our members, that were coined the essential workers and the essential heroes of the pandemic, they turned up every day. Right, they turned up. They were at work right through the lockdowns. They were at work. They were getting sick. Their families were getting sick, and the whole time. They were being paid poverty wages with insecure jobs, and their workplaces weren't safe. And that hasn't changed. Coles and Woolies continue to make billions and billions in profits, and workers continue to be paid poverty wages in insecure jobs, and their workplaces are continuing to be woefully unsafe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is it is just appalling um, to to hear about the lack of. Will from Woolworths and Coles to to come to the table and to deliver on a better deal for workers, given, you know, such a long history and widespread practices of of poor workplace conditions, um, awful remuneration. And I think, you know, definitely something that that potentially feeds into that and, and that... Uh, these companies capitalize off is having a very um, young workforce uh, across some of the sector. But also there are people of all ages working there who are supporting families on these wages. Um, And, you know, just the idea that they can keep pushing down and squeezing while also um, championing themselves as essential service providers is really hypocritical. Now, In terms of the organizing scene, I was wondering if you'd tell us a bit about the difference between how RAFU, which entered the scene with a commitment to militant unionism in 2016, has approached poor working conditions for supermarket workers uh, in comparison to the shop distributive and allied employees association, which has been the body that's been traditionally responsible for representing these workers. So have you seen an increased appetite among workers for militant unionism in the wake of the COVID pandemic and since the cost of living crisis has really started to bite?
11: Uh, y- yes, we have, and, and in a in a practical way, workers have always wanted a an alternative. They've always mm-hmm. wanted a militant union, and they have been um, oppressed by the FDA and by the bosses for for fifty or sixty years or more. And so, um, Raffu has provided not only the space but the vehicle to get organised and to unashamably unashamedly say from the outset that. We want to take on these employers to secure the working conditions that workers deserve. And when that comes at the cost of billions of dollars, which we've already returned by getting rid of those old rotten SDA deals, um, it is always going to lead to conflict. Mm -hmm. The employers are never going to hand over something which they have hoarded for so long. Mm -hmm. And even when they do hand it over, we know they always come back at it. And so we need to build it not only a legacy, but we need to build a power within our members that means that they're ready to stand up every time the bosses come after even a scary. Now, right now, those bosses are refusing to give the, any improvement to the minimum condition. And some of them are, you know, they're upfront about it. At IKEA, they just simply told us, the DC workers, the distribution centre workers, are members of the UWU. They're not SBA members. And UWU will take action, and they will strike. And so they get paid 21% more for doing essentially the same work. You know, and we know that across Coles and Woolies as well, where workers are organised and militant, meat workers at Coles, you know, seven years ago, they were paid $8,000 more than the SDA was prepared to compromise on. Mm. So we know where militant unionism exists, workers get a much better deal. And that's, and that's what we've provided. And certainly over the last year, it has been inspiring to see. Ever since we took out Better Red Than Dead workers in Sydney mm-hmm. and they secured the best agreement in retail in Australia ever, um, we've seen a cascade of improvement. Then at readings bookshops in Melbourne, Apple, the deal still wasn't good enough, but it was monstrously better than what that had been offered just a few months earlier. Unfortunately, you know, the SDA and some others, have said that that was something they achieved. It's just not only hypocritical, but it also undermines the, the the truth. It's being dishonest to workers to suggest it was anything other than the militant action, you know, the collective industrial action of those workers who stopped work, who striked, who put in place bans. So here, again, it's providing that opportunity. And as workers find out about us yesterday and overnight, they're joining. We've never been bigger. The last few days have seen, I think it's about 200 members join RAPLU. And that's because we're providing them that space to say, look, be the champion of your store. Be the courageous one that steps up and walks out when everyone else is too scared. We understand some people are scared, but there are courageous workers, and there, many of them are young, many of them are older. They're, they're women, they're men, they're folks that don't identify with a particular gender. They're, everyone is coming together and they're standing up. And we're really excited about it, and it certainly sets Raffle on a fantastic, a fantastic path for the coming years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's wonderful um, to hear that more people are joining after hearing that the uh, industrial action has been announced and really want to get involved in the stores that they work at. And I think also a very important reminder that, um, you know, unions need to be around um, and need to continue to to hold the line, not just when uh, there are gains to be won, but once those gains have been won to prevent them from being rolled back. Uh, now, Obviously, this strike comes off the back of many attempts by workers to get Woolworths and Coles to engage in good faith with their demands for work, better working conditions and pay. So, can you tell us about the decision to call the strike? Obviously, it's a very big decision. And why have WAFRU members been pushed to take this action? And also, what are they calling for?
11: Sure. So, so, at Coles, we've been trying to get the company to the bargaining table for four years. We ran all sorts of campaigns and actions and court cases and all sorts of things to try and get them to the table. It wasn't... They just simply refused. It wasn't until the new laws came in uh, in December that they agreed to bargain because they were compelled to. So they communicated with everyone that they would agree to bargain, they would bargain, um, and they did that before Christmas. Woolley stepped up in December before Christmas and said they would bargain. Neither of those companies then bargained. So we put our claims to them, we demanded they meet, we asked they meet, we politely requested they meet, and they refused to meet. So, members made the decision that they wanted to bring industrial action applications, protected action ballots, to the Fair Work Commission, and that compelled both of these companies to bargain. So, we've had a few meetings now with Coles, uh, and we've had three meetings with Woolworths. In those meetings, not a single offer on a single item, right? And we've got some claims which are fairly basic, that they provide period care products, so that they provide sanitary items, tampons, pads. In the, in the change rooms and in the toilets, right? Pretty basic claim when they actually mm-hmm. sell it and they employ so many young people that menstruate.
9: Mm-hmm. And
11: for the first time as well. So pretty basic claim. Um, goes alongside toilet paper. They won't even commit to putting that into the agreement. They won't commit to a whole raft of other things. Basic claims and more expensive ones. Neither of them will make any any proposals at all. And that's because they've got the SDA in their pocket, right? And they're, they're looking to see what the SDA will agree to, what substandard minimum conditions they can get in place with the FDA. We get that. Um, and so members aren't going to wait to be screwed once again. So they, they decided that they would implement these bans and they would implement these strikes. The way we do that is we have democratic member meetings where everyone can turn up, everyone's voice is heard, ideas are discussed, and they just vote on what they want to do. You know, it's a bit different to some other unions. We largely get out of the way. We advise, we inform, we educate, but we think at the end of the day... We have to provide leadership. We're not leading people into irresponsible action. But at the end of the day, it is for members to make these choices, mm-hmm. and they have. And these are the actions that they want to do.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it, it's going to be awesome to see the strike this weekend. So just in view of wrapping up, can you uh, tell us a little bit about what to expect for the National Strike of Supermarket Workers this Saturday?
11: Well, workers are after living wages, safer workplaces and secure jobs. And what we're going to see is workers walk out. Some stores, it'll be one or two workers, and they'll walk out and they'll go and have a coffee or they'll try and come into one of the other centres. In the centres, we're going to have workers turn up. So we've got some regional centres. We're going to see probably 10 to 15 workers walk out at somewhere like Coles Gladstone in far north Queensland. At Broken Hill, we're going to have probably about 50 workers from Woolies and Coles walk out and come come together. and uh, and talk about what they're doing and why they're doing it and meet each other for the first time. In somewhere like Melbourne, we're going to have down at Cole Spencer Street, uh, just near Southern Cross Station, out the front, we're going to have very many members and supporters from across Melbourne come together. They'll take a little while to get in there, so they won't all be there at 10. They can only walk out at 10, but they'll come in there and we'll um, we'll celebrate and we'll share some time together and we'll talk about what's going on and why. And then over the coming weeks, we're going to plan out what happens next. We've also got a two-hour strike on Tuesday night so that night shift and evening shift workers can come and participate as well from 9 p.m. on Tuesday night, right across Coles and Woolies as well.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. I encourage people who are listening who are not uh, Coles and Woolworths workers not to cross that picket line um, when people are striking. And we will have all the information about the strike, uh, how to support the Striking Workers Strike Fund, and uh, how to join RAFU in our show notes. But, Josh, thanks so much for joining us.
11: Oh, thanks for having me, Priya. It's been great.
0: Wonderful, And that was Josh Cullinan, Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, or RAFWU, who joined us to talk about the upcoming national strike of supermarket workers at sector giants Woolworths and Coles in the face of the company's failure to commit to providing employees with fair pay, job security, and safe workplaces. Now, the strike is taking place on Saturday, the 7th of October, October, with industrial action set to begin at 10 a.m. and lasting for two hours. And you can support the RAFWU Strike Fund for supermarket workers by heading to chuffed.org forward slash project forward slash Superstrike. You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Come on on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne
6: will be cut, jobs may
1: well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else.
4: Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs.
7: Anything nasty online seems to be targeted
6: against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal.
2: You're listening to Women on the Line.
6: Welcome again to Lost in Science.
0: And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network.
11: Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Annika Wall this week. You are listening to Let the Bands Play.
8: Tune in to Stick Together. Worker stories and union news. Grassroots Voice is broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network.
11: Panoply.
5: Panorama. only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au.
9: And
3: now we are joined by Will Crawford, who's a lawyer, youth worker, filmmaker and comedian who has just returned to Melbourne after living interstate. He's experienced an experienced stand-up and sketch comedian and joins us to chat about his new Melbourne Fringe show Rock Steady Baby that traverses the surreal, absurd, cheeky and the occasionally serious exploring how to write a comedy about an invisible disability and you can catch the show um, at the Theatre of Improv Conspiracy in October. Uh, Will, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about you and the show?
6: Great. Well, I'm... Well, I've done comedy for a little while. I started um, as a kid and did lots of sketch comedy um, and then um, sort of didn't do much comedy for about 10 years and got back into stand-up about 10 years ago. And I, I love it. It's a fun way to express things. In terms of this particular show... Um, I had a diagnosis of MS a couple of years ago, which was, you know, very challenging for me. Um, and part of the process was, yeah, I really wanted to see how I could do a comedy show to address it. I'd seen, I'm not sure if you know, Andrew Denton did some amazing um comedy TV shows with some, the canteen kids with cancer in the early 90s. And I just think it was a really interesting concept about how to tackle dark topics with humor, because I think humor can be a tool of healing sometimes.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was definitely my... um You know, my next question is that I know that, you know, artists speak of the writing process sometimes as like a catharsis or like a processing tool that really allows to see like yourself, your situation or your work in a different light. So I'm wondering, do you like resonate with that statement or where do you feel maybe you need to draw some separation between you and the show?
6: Yeah, I think part of it was I'd done some processing myself about my condition. It was a bit dramatic with didn't have any symptoms, and then, in about four days, I was starting to lose my eyesight and getting very dizzy and I was in hospital so it was dramatic and um I suppose I was forced to think very carefully about you know where I wanted to live because I was living in Darwin at the time away from family and friends, and yeah my Catharsis was really about accepting that and wanting to be back with family and friends, which was, was I guess, um, un- enabled me to uh, sort of understand the potential journeys going forward. In terms of the writing process, what I really wanted to do was really just show that, um, you know, well, it's a little bit about gratitude um, and appreciation for all the amazing um, medics have supported me over the time, but also just to show that humour is a really good way to, um, to adapt to things. So for me, the writing process was more about um, showing how comedy um, can be an educative tool and how I use comedy for my healing. The writing process was really just documenting a lot of what I'd already done a little bit, but also just finding ways to make cheeky jokes about health professionals.
3: Yes, we always love cheeky jokes about health professionals. Um, And yeah, I think what you've said about like humour and listening in is so important. I feel like, you know, as a a performer and then as the audience, you're kind of in a relationship in a way. And humour is also often a really... Good indicated that you have trust and vulnerability with the audience or your friend uh, because you know like what might make them laugh. I know where the line is um, and yeah it is like an exercise in trust and vulnerability so when you're writing this how would you describe like maybe the emotional arc of the story because I know there's like there's grief, there's cheekiness, there's educating um, because yeah I know it really like you're trusting the audience with that too.
6: Yeah yeah. Part of it was I as because I've been a comedian a long time, I wanted to um, establish a safe environment where laughing was okay. So the first half of my show is is my regular crazy comedy. I do lots of different things. I pretend that I'm psychic clairvoyant, and understand what's happening with the audience. so I can do lots of one-liners about that. so I warm the crowd up to acknowledge that I'm a bit stupid and that I'm happy and that we've got lots of laughs flowing every, you know, 30 to 60 seconds, which is, is my usual thing. And then when I gradually introduce my story um, of it, you know, I also try and litter it with, with self-deprecation because that's half the battle too is, is um, I guess, me not fully understanding my symptoms. Also, I think one of the treatments when you go to hospital is they give you a heap of steroids to try and calm it all down, but then the flip side is I've never tried cocaine, but it's very like that, and you end up thinking you're you know, the world's greatest, and I sent 400 emails that day. So you've got to poke fun at the strange situations and then... Yeah, it is a mixture of unraveling the process of me um, learning, adapting, and yeah, um, finding a good way forward, but also acknowledging yeah the 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 joint acceptance of that. So that was it's a slightly delicate process where you intersperse the um, comic side with the heartfelt side but for me they are interwoven because you know it's your journey and for me as a comedian that's how I process things anyway so it's a really opportunity for me to share that journey and also to make lots of um, cheeky one-liner jokes throughout which is how I deal with life.
3: Yes, absolutely. I think comedy is such a good tool, and as you described, it's a delicate process and a process of sharing. So I guess on that point, what are you hoping that the audience kind of gets from your show, and what are you hoping that you get from it?
6: Well, I think part of it is MS is a slightly unusual one because it, you know, I think you mentioned it before, it's a little bit of an invisible condition. Mm-hmm and people will be at very different stages of that. Um, so it can be very scary as well, but also, and this is the thing I really um, am so grateful for, that uh, medical advances have been amazing in the last few years, but also I've had amazing help from my allied health professionals, like. Um, my physio asked me, well, what kind of physical activities do you like to do so I can adapt them? And I said, I really like breakdancing as I was a kid. And she went on YouTube and did breakdance tutorials. And within about three sessions, she was way better than me. Like, there's lots of gratitude. And also, I, I guess, understanding is what I'd like the audience to... To, um, yeah, to take away that um, that there's you know lots of positives in the area, and everyone will get something at some point anyway. And I've happened to got this, you know, I'm 47, and it's and I'm adapting reasonably well to it, but also just super grateful that there are people around. So yeah, education, healing, and just being grateful for all the amazing work that sort of that allied health and uh, scientists do, That's, and then to have a few laughs along the way.
3: Yes, and where can we come along to have a few laughs?
6: Oh, cool. So the show is at TIC Theatre at 37 Swanson Street, just in the city opposite of the old um, city square. Um, I'm on for six nights, so Saturday, Sunday, next week, the 14th and 15th at um, 6pm and 5pm Sunday shows at 5pm and then the following week Thursday to Sunday, you can get tickets just on the uh, Melbourne Fringe website and and just plug in Will Crawford or Rocksteady Baby and yeah um, that's That's where the show is and where the tickets
3: are. Amazing. Thank you so much. We'll definitely put it in our show notes. But Will, thank you so much for joining us here today and reaching out as a listener. We really appreciate you and can't wait to see what the show is going to look like.
6: Thanks so much for your time, Inez. Love, Love your work.
3: Thank you so much, Will. Uh, so that was Will who spoke to us about his show Rock Steady Baby that traverses surreal, absurd, cheeky and the occasionally serious, exploring how to write a comedy about an invisible disability. And you can catch it at Melbourne Fringe in October.
4: And our next, um, yeah, our next segment, uh, I guess I, I want to introduce... Um, I went yesterday and spoke to two peers who produce um, a zine called Need to Know. Need to Know is important because the project provides a safe, inclusive and supportive environment where people who have had a traumatic experience can join together to produce a resource that may be of assistance to others and also provides an opportunity for people to view their lived experience in a more positive light because homelessness is is incredibly traumatic. Um, You know, they can share survival skills, tips and life experience Need to know is a great partnership between people with it, with um, uh, lived experience, local council slash the library, and community health, local community health organisations. So what you'll hear when um, when when you hear Jenny and Dee speak is how important it is for people to feel valued, valued and valuable, safe and included in their community. Uh, you'll hear uh, listen to them now. So we're here at the Kathleen Syme Library in Carlton. Um, and one of the main goals of 3CR is to hold power to account and to also uh, promote community-based like grassroots projects. And so I'm here today at the Kathleen Syme Library to speak, speaking to Dee and Jenny about the production of a co-designed zine called Need to Know. Welcome, guys.
7: Hey, Spike.
2: How you doing? Yeah, hi. hi. All
4: right. Tell us a bit about the zine.
2: Well, it's a, it's a zine. <laughs> it's a magazine we make for the street and a voice for the people on the street. We include a lot of things in the zine. We tell stories, we share, we share our experiences, we do food, we, sh- we tell them places where they can access showers, medical,
7: all, all resources, supports. It's a really important group, it's a good group to get the information out, for people doing it hard, not knowing not knowing where to go, what to do, you know, and it's not only good for the people on the other side of the zine, but it's also good for the people in the group of the zine, because I know personally for myself, I didn't do well with groups, I'm now doing well with groups. You know, I love this. It's it's been a really good um, chance for me to give back to the community that I've been part of for a long time. So,
4: so w- what's your connection with like what's what's your background?
7: I'd been homeless since I was 43, dealing with domestic and family violence, um, and drug addiction, but um, and and homelessness, and just knowing. Uh, not knowing where to go and stuff like that. It's important. It's important for things like this because I had no clue where to get help, who to go to, wh- what questions to ask. And um, I see the Zine like being able to fill all them spots. It's it's important. It's an important message that needs to get out, and I think it needs to get out further than what it does.
2: Yeah, I have had a yeah difficult background. Um, I was awarded the, the state as a child. It took me a long time to get where I am now, but without the group and without supports out there, I wouldn't have done it at all. So I'm really grateful and I thank all the organisations, especially CoHealth and Kathleen Syme Library and just everybody else that was involved, all the places that fed me, showered me, sent me in the right path the right direction and just supported me so well. And now I've got a home, I'm living it, I've got three jobs, loving it. Yeah, couldn't do without it.
4: So how did, how's the zine put together? How's it produced?
7: Well, we meet up fortnightly yeah, a group, as a group. Yeah. We, part, we share information, share ideas, um, fact-checking to make sure the information in the zine's up to date. Um, bounce ideas off each other as well for any changes that people might think it's important for the zine. So it's a really good
2: supportive group. We all work together. It works well. Yeah. Yeah. And it needs to be out there. It's really important because the situation's getting worse. It's not getting any better, you know. So you're seeing somebody down and out, maybe just lend them a hand, you know. Just say hello. Give Give them what you've got because they're really struggling.
4: Why is it important that people that have had a similar background to you guys are involved in, in producing something like this? What do you think it's important? Just
7: the knowledge. Yeah, the knowledge and yeah. and and contributing, like being being part of I don't know solving the problem. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's a big support. It's
2: a big support. Yeah, if other people are where we come from, and really understand because we really understand. Yeah. Right, what the people are going through. It's yeah, it's really special and it's important.
7: Yeah, it's made a huge difference to my life. I couldn't do groups. Yeah. I couldn't do groups, felt fearful of being around people, and this has been one of the most important groups that I've joined since I got involved with CoHealth. It's 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 made a difference to my life. It's made me feel I have a sense of purpose and give back to the community. How has it done that? Just being able to be part of a group. Being recognised yeah, and understood and yeah, you can fit in. You don't have to, Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you fit in. You fit
7: yeah. in somewhere. Yeah, that, that's that's putting it spot on. Yeah, yeah. you fit in. Yeah, and I don't so, feel judged here. I don't feel out of place here. I feel, uh, you know, when we're all bouncing ideas off each other and stuff like that, I don't feel anyone else's ideas are, are better than anyone else's. You know, it's just an important message for yeah. us and for everyone else on the other side of the scene.
4: What role has the library played um, in in? Um, yeah.
7: A big one, giving us the space, the
2: room, the support, just being there, always being there, being so reliable and just so trustworthy. It's
7: well, it's the biggest part of the zine, isn't it? Yeah, it's it what, is. It's, it's where it's it's where it all starts. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's our base. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's important. It's, yeah. and we appreciate it too.
4: Have you had a relationship with the library like this in the past?
7: No, not really. Not really. So that's another. That's made another big difference as well. And you know, like, cause there's other information that we've got from here. You know, that we don't wouldn't necessarily know about. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, the library's a really good resource.
4: So is there access? So have you accessed any other um, sort of programs or supports from the library?
2: I I've used the social worker here. I use the workshop group. I come here for um, lunches that happen every. Couple of months that a whole, he- all different people come and it's just there's a band playing. It's you know it's like all different people from all walks
4: of life. It's just yeah, it's really good. Has you changed your view of libraries and community oh, spaces?
7: Absolutely. Absolutely, for sure, for sure. I thought it was just a place that you'd go to and read books or pick up books. I didn't realise it was such a big community.
4: So, do do you feel would if someone said um, that participating and producing something like Need to Know has helped ha- helped you feel more included in the community? Would that be an accurate yeah. thing oh, yeah.
2: to say? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's been huge. It's really important for fixing lives. Yeah. And making lives grow and get bigger and brighter, yeah, every day. Yeah, it's really special.
4: What do you think the community needs to know about what it's like to not feel included um, and to not feel part of, of of community? Like, how does that feel?
7: It's a lonely place to be. I oh, know I suppose a feeling of being lost and alone, and 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 joining groups and being part of the library community is um or be made feel comfortable within the community, it it, it opens... I don't know how to explain it. People hurt people,
2: all right, So and it's a real destroyer. People need to be a bit kinder to one another, yeah, because that's the whole thing of it. People hurt people and it puts them down nearly into the ground where they just give up nearly, so...
4: because for a lot of people that have never been homeless they might walk past homeless people daily and they think well they're in public all the time they must feel like they're part of the community it's sort of counterintuitive that it's actually it's an isolating experience
2: yeah it is yeah so people need to yeah get with people and not suffer it alone because it just takes you down yeah, you need to get with people and around supportive people,
7: and yep. yeah, make yourself your number one priority, and and just keep moving forward. So what
2: go,
4: what's going into the next issue?
2: Um, we're doing a Christmas issue, so it's um hopefully it's a bit of a hope message, and a bit worried about all the people that get left behind on the streets when people go away, and then they're yeah they're left yeah down and even lower yeah feeling yeah not good. So we're doing sort of
4: a hope Christmas. So where, where can people find Need to Know and how can they get a hold
11: of it?
2: Well, um, we've got a website for Need to Know. That's um, one place definitely to go to. Um, and it gets gets distributed everywhere. It gets distributed at St Mary's, um, the living room, um, Flagstaff, um, St Mark's, um, Southern
7: Cross at Travelers Aid, um, the library, the hospitals, yeah. AOD at the hospitals as well. They they um appreciate the zine because they they get a lot of use out of that.
4: So what's yeah. what's the website address?
7: Need to dot org.
4: So and when's the next issue out?
2: Um, it's coming out in the next fortnight, isn't next it? Next fortnight, yeah.
4: And that's, is that the final one for the yeah. year?
2: Final yeah. one for the year, unfortunately. Yeah. Trying to find places also that are um, offering emergency on-the-spot accommodation for people that are really, str- and don't want to be outside. Yeah, want to be inside straight away because they just don't feel safe. So we're trying to find any organisation out there that can help with that, definitely. Yeah, we need emergency on-the-spot accommodation now, ready now, you know, as soon as possible.
4: So how, how can people get in contact with you guys?
2: Uh, through the Kathleen Syme Library, yep, definitely. Um, Emily would be a good person to speak to. She's the number one. She's Yep, she runs the number one position in our group. She's just beautiful. So, yeah, anybody out there, any organisation that's got um, emer- funds for emergency accommodation, definitely. We need it. We need it.
4: Is there a phone number at the Kathleen Syme?
2: 9658
7: 7300.
4: So have you got any feedback um, when, when from from people seeing the zine, what well, what sort of feedback have you got?
7: We had someone come in. We had someone come in on um, one of our sessions who actually um, was going through a situation himself, and after reading the zine. Um, he felt like he related to, yeah he related yeah. to the stories in it like it was it was coming from real people from real situations and um, enough for him to reach out and, and want to come and actually see how you know meet the people in the group see how it works what it's about and it was was um, I suppose it was a good experience for him and for us also. Just knowing that someone, like, took the initiative to come in and, like, yeah, exactly, want to know yeah. what it's about, yeah.
4: All right, so any last words? What What does a community need to know um, about the importance of people who have had a lived experience having control to to be able to produce something like this? How important is it to to have, yeah, to participate in a group and have some control over what goes in it? And
7: It's really important. It's like it's really important, like I said, for 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 those of us who are part of the zine, but the other people on the other side of the zine being able to um help collect information, um, know that the information you know is going to be helpful to them.
2: Yeah, I'd just
7: like to say something quickly too. Um, just to all the
2: people out there that just think they're better bigger and higher and mightier than anybody else. That's not true. Everybody's the same. It's just some people are really struggling and they just need that help to lift up and get off that ground. So, yeah, let's uh, we need to do
0: it all together. And we are back on Thursday morning breakfast on 3CR 855 AM. We're coming up to the end of our show. It's about all we've got time for, but you just heard uh, a conversation that Spike had with, uh, with Dee and Jenny about the production of a fantastic co-design zine called Need to Know produced out of Kathleen Syme library in Carlton. Um, and Need to Know is really important as a project providing a safe, inclusive and supportive environment where people who've had a traumatic experience and who have lived experience or living experience of homelessness can join together to provide a resource that may be of assistance to others and also provides an opportunity for people to view their lived experience in a more positive light. Now, uh, Inez, you want to quickly take us through some of what we spoke about today? Yes.
3: So first we spoke to Gita Ramachandran as well as Ghazale Gaid Ramati from the Refugee Women Action for Visa Equality, speaking about the march that they're doing and also the Australian government's unfair and inhumane decisions that continue to cause
0: grief and hurt to refugees. And afterwards, we heard from Wellington uh, Wellington Street Public Housing resident Valentina, who spoke with Spike about the proposed demolition of the towers and shared her lived analysis of the announcement and the impact that it's going to have, as well as of community services. And we were also joined by Josh Cullinan, who's secretary of RAFWU, uh, who spoke about the upcoming strike on this 7th of October this Saturday, industrial action by Woolworths and Coles workers in the face of the company's failure to commit to fair working conditions and pay.
3: And then we were joined by Will, who's a stand-up and a sketch comedian about the Melbourne Fringe show that he wrote, uh, Rock Steady Baby, about an invisible disability. And also, it's a strangely optimistic journey through some dark times. And you can catch it on Melbourne Fringe throughout October.
0: And yeah, finally, we heard that conversation between Spike, D, and Jenny about the production of the Need to Know zine. And it's a lovely way to sort of come back to the first time that Spike and I spoke about the zine, which was before he was on the show. So, um, that's all we've got time for today on Thursday morning breakfast. We will catch you next week, but until then take care, stay safe. And remember there is that stop black deaths in custody rally on Saturday, the 7th of October as well. So two things happening on Saturday. There is the strike by Woolworths and Coles workers. Don't cross the picket between 10 AM and 12 PM on Saturday. And then there is stop black deaths in custody rallies happening around the country. And, um, you can uh, find that information on socials.
3: And also you can uh, support the petition for the Refugee Woman Action for Visa Equality on change.org as well as Facebook. And we will link all of this in the show notes. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this
2: program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with
8: upcoming events at nibs.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.